Hello, good day to you, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And it's a joy for me to be able to share the Word of God with you again. And we are still in the series called uh, Realities of Redemption. And we are actually nearing the end of it. We have been talking a lot about healing, healing the sick. And uh, we talked about the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the apostles, and our ministry, how God can use us to heal the sick. And uh, now we are coming to some uh, difficult questions. And one of the most difficult questions that people ask is, why are some people not healed? Okay, now to answer your question, let me put it this way. There's many different routes through which we can approach uh, this, uh, you know, this problem. But let us approach it from this point of view that, you know, when someone doesn't get healed, there can be uh, I mean, it can be a thousand and one reasons. It can, there are many, many, many reasons why uh, someone does not get healed. And, and the thing is that we can only know if God shows us. If, if, if you were to ask me, uh, you know, why did so-and-so die? And I know that person. And uh, I can only tell you if the Father chooses to show me. But if he doesn't choose to show me, then whatever I would say would be speculative. I mean, because it's just me. Because you see, in a situation like this, you need to hear what God has to say. And most of the time, I should say 98 to 99%, God would say, it's none of your business. And so it's not ours to know. Because the thing is that in Western society, uh, where we have a lot of education, and intellectualism, we are trained to rationalize, to analyze everything that is around us. And we try to analyze and rationalize these situations also so that we can have an answer and we can get a closure to, to it so we know why this person didn't get healed. But the problem is that 99% of the times God just chooses not to show us simply because it is none of our business. But the few times that he does show us why someone didn't get healed, it is mostly because uh, that person is still alive and God wants to uh, use that knowledge, that information he has given us so we can go out and help that person, teach that person or counsel him or whatever and help him so that he can be healed. But the fact is that 99% of the time, some of you were to ask me, why did so-and-so die? I would say, I don't know. And so the question is, how much do we know? I mean, what does the, how much information does the Word of God and this, how, how much information does the Spirit of God actually give us? Let's look at the Word of God. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It tells us everything. It tells us about the things that God has given to us through His Word, the kind of information and knowledge that God has given to us through His Word. It says in verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Now in verse 4 says, Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desire. So this is what we surmise from these two verses, that the, what the Bible tells us is that we, the Bible tells us everything that we need to know 
in order to, number one, live a godly life here on this earth. So the Bible tells us everything you and I would ever need to know in order to live a godly life here on this earth. Secondly, the Bible tells us everything we need to know to enable us to participate or to partake of the divine nature. Thirdly, the Bible tells us everything that we need to know to escape the corruption of the world through evil desires and lust. So these are the three areas that the Bible says that God tells us everything we need to know through his word. Now, but there are many things that we just don't know that God has chosen not to reveal to us. And why? Well, he's God. He chooses what he wants to reveal to us and what he doesn't want to reveal to us. Or as people say, he, I would say, you know, some people would say he reveals things to us on a need to know basis. And, and there are some things that he just doesn't tell me. I have a dear friend, a pastor who died a few years ago. We were very, very close and, and he went home to be with Jesus before his time. Why? I don't know. I couldn't, I, other pastors asked me, why did brother so-and-so die? He was a good man and, you know, and he was a man of prayer. I don't know. That was my answer. And I even said to another one, another one of my close friends who asked me, I said, brother, we should be very careful because if you ask these questions too many times, what will happen? You'll begin to analyze, you'll begin to speculate, and then you'll come up with an answer and you will say, well, this is the reason brother so-and-so died. And the most common reason we hear in Christian circles, in Pentecostal circles is, well, sometimes it is not the will of God to heal people. And uh, who said that? Who said that? Does the Bible say that? No. Did, did Jesus ever say that I will heal everybody, but there are times I won't heal everybody, as, uh, you know, some people because it's not my will. You know, that kind of thing isn't found. There's no scripture. In fact, the scripture shows us the opposite, that when Jesus died on the cross, when he was whipped and bruised and beaten, he bore all of our diseases and all of the diseases of every man, woman, and child who has ever lived on this earth. The apostles of Jesus, they, they, it was similar. Everybody they, they touched was healed. And uh, so we see this thing, and the Bible says, every good and perfect thing is from above. And the Bible says that the, all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And we say amen to the glory of God. I mean, in if you look at the scriptures alone, there is no room for this kind of theology. Well, this is what God has promised, and this is what Jesus has done on the cross, but there are times God goes against his own word, and then we give it a label, we call it the sovereignty of God, that God is sovereign. And yes, I agree that God is sovereign, but God is not sovereign over his word. He has bound himself to his word. Numbers 23, 19 says very clearly that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should change his mind. So the sovereignty of God doesn't mean that God is so sovereign that he can go against his own word. It rather means that God is so good that he will even meet and touch people who don't meet his conditions, even people who don't have faith. He will still touch them. And, and so the sovereignty of God goes more towards the goodness of God's side rather than 
God not keeping his word. So you've got to keep this mind because when we begin to talk about uh, the sovereignty of God and what sometimes God does this or that, we've got to understand the character of God and the character of God that he's always good. He's always true to his word. He's always faithful. We have got to remember these things because if we do not have the character of God as the backdrop, these things will really mess us up. So as I said, there are certain things that the Bible doesn't reveal to us. And the danger lies in our rationalization and, and speculation. And once we begin to rationalize and speculate, we come to certain conclusions and then we publish our speculations and conclusions. And then the next thing you know, we that is being taught us theology. Someone writes a position paper on this. Well, this is what we believe. Well, you know, well, I'm, uh, you can believe that if you want to, but I don't believe it. I am, uh, you know, you, you can believe it. If you, if that is your position paper, that's your position, not mine. My position is what the Bible says. This is my position paper. So, you know, people, and the thing is that those who follow uh, theologians and preachers who, who publish their speculations, they begin to give their speculations and their conclusions the same status as the Word of God, and they incorporate it into, the, into their theology. As a result, you have people saying things like this that don't make sense, that yes, we believe that divine healing is in the atonement, and here's the thing you have to remember, if something is in the atonement, it's for everybody. If Jesus just healed people at times because of the goodness of his heart or to reveal his kingdom, uh, but it was not in the atonement, then we could say it's not for everybody. But the reason Jesus healed the sick is because it is in the atonement. And if it is in the atonement, it was purchased at Calvary. It is for every man, woman, and child on the earth. And there's no way we can say something as contradictory as, well, we believe healing is in the atonement and Jesus both the sickness of every person and but at the same time we also understand sometimes God doesn't want to heal people that is wrong you can say that there are times I would say this there are times people don't get healed and we don't always know why and so what what would be the solution to that well the solution to that would be to, to press into the presence of God even more and seek him ever, even more and study his word and maybe fast and pray and, and just seek God. These are, these are things that are a lost art. Pressing into the presence of God, seeking even tears and fasting before God to, and to contend for Pentecostal power. That is the direction in which we should be going instead of sitting and saying, well, you know, sometimes God doesn't heal the sick. But anyway, enough of that. Let me, let me tell you a story. Um, uh, uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth e. Hagen, uh, he said something. He told us a story once. He talked about when he was 30, I believe he was 35, and his older sister was 55, and uh, his, his, his mother died, and uh, his grandmother brought him up. And when the grandmother died, his older sister, who was 20 years older than him, than him became like his mother, and she actually raised him. So uh, Brother Hagen was very, very close to his older sister, and she was a godly woman. But at 55, she died. And Brother Hagin wanted to pray for her. And the Lord said, no, don't pray for her. And he said, why? And brother, this is what Brother Hagin said, that the Lord never told me why. And she died. He says, I am the preacher preaching healing. 
and I believe in divine healing. And my sister, the person I love more than anyone else in this world, dies like that. He says, I was weeping. I was distraught. He said, one day I was, I was on my knees and I was on my face. I was weeping before God. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, why? Why? Tell me why. He said, that moment I saw a vision. I saw my mother walking with Jesus in heaven. And, and I got the scripture. The Lord spoke the scripture to him. Then the Lord said, look at Deuteronomy 29, 29. And this is what the scripture says. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong, un revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but that which is revealed, that which is in the book, those things belong to us and to our children forever. So Brother Hagen said, there are things that are secret. He says, we don't understand them. We don't understand them. Now, this is what he said. He said, don't even let your mind wander there because it will mess you up. He said, don't even let your mind go there, but instead concentrating on that which is written. Because although the secret things belong to the Lord our God, the things that are written in the Bible, they belong to us and to our children forever. So I've had many questions, but I choose not to dwell in those questions, but I choose to pursue faith and pursue the Lord and preach the Bible, read the Bible, study the Bible and teach it and speak the word of God and pursue those things that are written and that are revealed to us. And I wish we would all have this mindset because there's certain things out there we will never have the answer to until we get in heaven. But when we get to heaven, I tell you what, all our questions that we had on this earth will be irrelevant anyway. Who would want to know the answer to those questions when we are in heaven? So it's better not even to go there and just base what we believe and what we teach and preach on the Bible. So why do some people die? They, you know, they don't get healed, they die. We don't know. But what we do know, what is in the book, and that is what we preach, and that is what we live in. So that would be my answer. Now, it might not say much to you, but that is the best answer I can give you. Now, but now, keeping this in mind, I want you to think of the eternal perspective of the gospel. Because those who speculate about these things are usually too earthbound. They do not rest on the eternal perspective of life. Because see, people who ask these questions, why he didn't get healed, and they get fastened in their minds in these questions, they don't, they, they don't realize where the person who they're asking about is right now. Because I know my friend, uh, you know, who died a few years ago and my other pastor friend asked me, why did brother so-and-so die? And I told him, I said, look, I don't know. And I said, brother, don't even let your mind go there. Don't speculate. It'll mess you up. And I said, but think of this, where our brother, our friend is right now in the presence of Jesus. If you were to give him an opportunity to come back to this earth, do you think he would want to come back? No, because when you are with Jesus, who wants to leave heaven and come back here? I wouldn't. So death is never a defeat. Remember, remember this. We believe in divine healing and there are times when people die and we don't know why. But death, physical death is not a defeat. Never view death as a defeat because death is, 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 a, is the doorway 
into that eternal dimension of life. Because when we get born again, we receive eternal life. We receive everlasting life. We receive Jesus, but we are still earthbound. And then there comes a day when we will drop off this robe of flesh and we will rise and we will go to be with Jesus and we will enter into real eternity where we shall be forever. And the Bible promises that on this earth, the Bible says 70 to 80 years shall the length of a man's days be. And that's, we have a short span on this earth and then we go to heaven we'll be, where we'll be with Jesus forever. So death is never a defeat. It is a doorway into something far more glorious. And Psalm 116 verse 15 says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. When someone dies, uh, someone who dies in the Lord. And Paul said, he said, if we live, we live unto the Lord. If we die, we die unto the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we live or die unto the Lord. So precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, let me read to you from um, 1 Corinthians verses 51 to 57. And then these are the words of Paul. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this flesh must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption, this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus has broken the power of death. He has broken the power of the grave, and he has won a total victory upon the cross of Calvary. And so, and, and it says the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. And Jesus, he, he took the law of Moses and nailed it to the cross and, and he bore all our sins. So he took away the, 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 st the sting of sin and of, and of death and he, he gives us total victory through his precious blood. He says, thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when death comes, what happens and then we shall rise again with Christ. What happens? This mortality puts on immortality. This thing which is corruptible becomes incorruptible. So death is actually a stepping stone into victory. And when we talk about physical healing, the only reason we ask for physical healing is so that we can live on this earth and fulfill the will of God and continue the will of God. But if someone dies before his time, you know, it's better not to ask questions, but this is what I would suggest you should do. You should mourn with the family, weep with the family, take care of the family, love on them, help the widows and the orphans, the Bible says, you do that and also this person who has lived and died before his time, you, you, you thank God for his life, thank God for his testimony, thank God for the lives he touched and then you rejoice that he's in heaven and he's in heaven with Jesus. And that's why when someone dies, you know what we Christians say, people say, oh, he died. But you know what we Christians say, we say, he is home with the Lord. Isn't that what we say? He say, he's gone home to be with Jesus. 
and that is our home. That is, here we are just sojourners. That is, we are just passing through. This world is just passing through. We are just passing through this world. And, and the problem is that, you know, a lot of teaching these days is, is all about this world, how you can have a better, more comfortable, uh, more money in this world. So people become so, uh, they, they begin to value their faith and value their lives by what they own, what they have in this world. But this world is just a place that we are passing through. Our real home is in heaven. And that's why the Bible says, don't accumulate your riches in heaven where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thief break, thieves break through and steal, but lay up your treasures in heaven because that is going to be our home. That's where we'll be. So when someone dies, uh, we say they're gone home to be with Jesus. Now, 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. That's another thing we don't know. We don't know exactly what we will be. But we do know this much. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. So it says that we are now, now we are the children of God. But what we will become it's not being totally revealed to us, but we know this much, that when Jesus appears and when we stand before Jesus, we will be like him. Hallelujah. I'm waiting for the day. We will be like him for we will see Jesus just as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. So all of us who, have, who live with this hope, we, we, we purify ourselves. And uh, just as Christ is pure, just like Jesus is pure, we purify our hearts. And, and, uh, uh, and, and, and this, is the, this is called the wonderful hope of the gospel, that one day we shall be like him, we shall be like Jesus. And uh, as I read this, as I say these words to you, I'm thinking of people who have meant a lot to me, who have been dear friends of mine and uh, who have gone to be with Jesus before their time and they have meant a lot to them. And do I miss them? Yes. But at the same time, I rejoice that they're in heaven. I'm thinking of my pastor, Pastor Billy Joe Doherty, who I was very close to, uh, a man who encouraged me ever since the time I was in Bible school. He was a man who encouraged me. He went home before his time. He had years left. Why he went home to be with the Lord before his time, I don't know. But I rejoice in the testimony that he left behind, the legacy of faith. I look at his children, his wife, how they, are, they continue to serve the Lord. Uh, I, I rejoice. I rejoice. And though he left before his time and I miss him, I still thank God that he's in heaven with Jesus and he's in the great cloud of witnesses looking down at us. I'm thinking of my friend, Pastor Paul Grable, and how much... Uh, you know, he meant to me how much he encouraged me when I first joined the Assemblies of God. He was there for me. He used to have me two, three times in his church uh, every year. A wonderful, wonderful, amazing man. And his death was a, his ongoing was a great personal loss to me. But you know what? I don't understand why he left us early, but I know that he's with Jesus. And I can give you a list of other people and who have been close to me. And sometimes people ask me, mentioning them my name, why did he go early? Why? I don't know. 
All I know is that they're with Jesus and we are here and we should continue to move on in faith. And those who have gone before us, they're in heaven. They're looking down from the balcony of heaven and they are, they are our cheerleaders. They are our greatest cheerleaders. The Bible says they are among that great cloud of witnesses cheering us on as we run the final lap of the great commission to bring the gospel to every nation. That's the way I look at it. I'm running a race and I'm running and running with all my heart. And, and I look up and I see those People who meant a lot to me uh, up there in the balcony. I see uh, Dad Hagen. I see Harold Bredesen. I see Billy Joe Doherty. I see Paul Grable. I see a lot of men and women of faith. And some some went home, uh, you know, young. And some went home in an old age. And there was time for them to go. But they are all there together cheering us on as we run our race with our eyes set on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. So let us run this, this race and, and, and do what God has called us to do instead of stopping to ask, have these meaningless debates about questions to which nobody knows the answers. Now, so to, to end it all, to surmise this, I would like to say this. Firstly, we hate sickness and disease because it is, of, it is of the devil. That's first thing. First thing, we hate sickness and disease because they're of the devil. Secondly, we preach divine healing because of the price that our Lord Jesus Christ paid in order to obtain it for us. We preach divine healing. We preach that Jesus Christ bore the sicknesses and the sins and the mental torments of every man woman and child on this earth. Jesus paid a terrible price to obtain this for mankind and that's why we preach it and we don't hold it back. Thirdly, we know and we remember and we acknowledge the fact that Jesus healed every single person who came to him while he was on this earth. When he walked upon this earth, he never turned anybody away. He healed everybody who came to him. The fourth thing we have to remember is that divine healing is an integral part of the gospel. Divine healing is part and parcel of the gospel. It is not an extra, it is not an add-on, it is an integral part of the gospel because Jesus Christ paid the same price for our disease as he paid for our sins. Fifth, we are commissioned by God and anointed by God to heal the sick. Hallelujah. You and I, my friends, we are called, commissioned, and anointed by the Most High God and empowered by the Holy Ghost to heal the sick and to cast out devils. Praise God. So I must end here right now and uh, tomorrow uh, we are going to talk about something else. We are going to talk about the greatest where the greatest miracles are found, where the greatest miracles are found, and then we'll wrap up this subject. But let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are hearing the sound of my voice. I ask you to touch them. Lord, impart a powerful anointing upon their lives and use them mightily to go forth and preach the gospel and bring souls into your kingdom and to heal the sick and cast out devils and do the works of Jesus. Father, I speak blessing upon every home, every family. If there be any sick in their house, 
Heal them, Father, because you have promised us you'll bless our food and our water and turn every sickness away from us. So, Father, we ask you for your protection, your keeping, your blessing, your anointing, your continued hand upon each one of us in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. Amen. Well, God bless you, my brothers and sisters, and I'll be seeing you tomorrow again.